What is up, everybody? This is Sports in the Brain, and I am your humble host, Mondo. And this is the place where you are going to get your sports wired differently. And we're talking NFL Draft. The draft was last week, but what else would we be talking about? If you love the NFL, then this is the place to be. If you don't love the NFL, well, this is the place to be. So stick around because you're going to love it. I've got a great guest today. He is a Jets fan. So he's usually pretty miserable, but this year he feels pretty good. I'm a Giants fan. I'm sometimes miserable, but I feel pretty good too. So we're going to talk NFL draft and strap in. Let's get it on. Before we get started with NFL aficionado and diehard Jets fan, Tunde Franklin, I just want to say something I say probably all the time. I kind of forget that I say it, but I'm going to say it again anyway. Follow, subscribe, hit the button, because if it was up to me, I'd forget to follow my own show. So go ahead, hit the button so we could do this every single week and you can get all that other bonus stuff too. All right. On with the show. So the NFL draft has come and gone, and I am back here with our other NFL expert, Tunde, to talk a little bit draft, uh, some thoughts about the first round, and maybe a little uh, little bonus info on the Jets and the Giants. So uh, Tunde, what were your thoughts overall about the draft this year? When I looked at what a lot of the teams did, especially with some of the teams right now in the league that have these young quarterbacks, um, they're really trying to do some things to support their quarterback with either offensive linemen, wide receivers. Um, but, you know, there are two teams that I think did really well in the draft. And you can never really know on these draft picks until two or three years. But one, I really hate to say it, is the Dolphins. I, I kind of <laughs> like what the Dolphins did with the draft. Yeah, they did They did pretty good. Yeah, you know, they drafted a, a Jason Jalen Waddle for wide receiver for Tua. And I also like the fact that they have that defensive end, uh, Phillips. He has a high upside, questionable, you know, history in terms of staying healthy. But I, I love the fact that they made the trade with the Niners, man. They have, what, a number one and a three next year right. that they have. And so, you know, they are one of the teams that are just loading up right now to support um, their quarterback. And so I really like what they did in the draft, unfortunately. And the other team is your New York Giants, man. I, I like what they did. You know, they got a ton of draft capital for next year. And, you know, they, they took some guys – that Georgia linebacker, uh, I think he could be pretty good if he stays healthy as well. And then Tony, that you're going to talk about later on, mm -hmm. he's got some good traits that if he can stay healthy and fit in with what the what your offensive coordinator wants to do, I think you guys did pretty well this year in this draft. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree. I think the Dolphins did a really good job. They did what they had to do. And, uh, you know, it obviously shows that at least for right now, that two is going to be their quarterback going forward. Um, you know, you've, you've got to surround them with the weapons. You got to protect them. You know, I think that, um, you know, the, the team and, and we'll talk about the giants later, but you know, the team that I thought made one of the most interesting picks, and we talked about this before was uh, the San Francisco 49ers where obviously, you know, after Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, the draft did start at number three. And a lot of people were looking at all the quarterbacks going to San Francisco, whether it was uh, Justin Fields or Mac Jones, and you know Mac Jones dropping to fifteen uh, was a bit of a surprise, but I'm sure he was very happy. And Justin Fields dropping to eleven was a surprise, and maybe not so happy. He didn't look completely thrilled when he was putting on that Chicago Bears hat after after his selection. But Trey Lance going to San Francisco was not a huge surprise but it it there's so many storylines that go along with it because you know the kids got a stellar college career i mean he was undefeated at 17 and 0 but his sample size is so small so you're taking uh 
a, a high ceiling potential college prospect with a fantastic, you know, uh, record as, as a as a starter, but it's really really small, and he's coming from a smaller school now. That being a smaller school, I don't think is as important as it used to be back in the day. But he's still coming from a smaller school. But what he brings are all those different intangibles. I mean, the fact that I mean, he's a big kid. He's 6'4". He's about 225. Um, he's got a strong arm. He could run the ball. One of the th- interesting things, two, I think two intangibles that I don't think I've heard a lot of people talk about with Trey Lance coming in is he's has a reputation of being uh, having good ball security. And I think I don't have mm-hmm. it right in front of me, but I think San Francisco has uh, suffered in that category over the past couple of years. So you're bringing in a quarterback that can hold on to the ball. He also plays under center, you know, so he yes. can pl- he, so he can play in a shotgun shotgun formation. But a lot of these kids that are coming out of college nowadays almost never play under center. So to be to be able to take a quarterback. So if if you're doing that. I've always thought that if you're a quarterback and you're playing under under center, it puts more pressure on you because you just don't have that space to work in from the get go. So I, I think right. that you're 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 talking about having a, a quarterback that can process information, maybe even a little bit faster, especially as a rookie. So I think those things make Trey Lance. Uh, an even more interesting prospect. And obviously, um, I think any quarterback, it seems like nowadays, any quarterback that's worth anything is going to probably do pretty well in Kyle Shanahan's offense. You know, and well, that, that's, that's a good transition to what I was getting ready to get into for, mm-hmm. for Trey Lance. When you look at the Kyle Shanahan offense, right, some of their traits is that they have the wide zone blocking scheme. And mm-hmm. so it makes the it makes it very easy for your offensive line to really just um, react. They just go out and react. There's not a bunch of reading and, and anything like that. So it opens up the running game because they do a lot of play action um, scheme, play mm-hmm. action passes, right? And so one of the things that helps this offense is that if you look at the Niners offense, before the ball is snapped, they have a tremendous amount of motion uh, with their receivers and backs. And what that does is confuses the defense. And so one of the advantages that Trey's going to have is that this offense is very quarterback friendly. And if you have an accurate passer uh, who doesn't have to really read too much into it, and if your wide receivers are getting open quickly because the defense is confused, you know, this is going to be a tremendous way to ease Trey Lance into the offense of the 49ers. And so you're not going to be asking him to put so much on his shoulders and carry this offense. And if you think about it, their running game is tremendous, right? They have running backs that you know, undrafted free agents who were, you know, cut by teams before that come in and, and, and play pretty well and run well in this wide blocking scheme. So you're not going to ask Trey to go ahead and put this team on his shoulders and win the game for you. Plus, look at their defense. I mean, mm-hmm. their defense is going to be to the point where, hey, if we have to carry this team until the offense gets up to par, you know, it's it's awesome. And think about um, their quarterback now, Garoppolo, right? Right. He's just going to be a mentor for a few games. And basically after that, Trey Lance has taken over. So he has such a tremendous amount of upside that um, I understand why he did what he did in terms of Kyle Shanahan with drafting Trey Lance. Well, you make you make you make a good point. And and I think that it is it is exactly what you said. It's a very, very quarterback friendly uh, offense. And he's gonna have he just he just basically has to do the things to get the ball into the hands of the playmakers. It doesn't fall all completely on his shoulders. And especially if he's gonna be if he's gonna be a quarterback, especially as a young player that's gonna be able to take care of the ball, play in the shotgun formation as well as under center, it just gives, like you said, you know, there's a lot of movement in Kyle Shanahan's offense. It just gives him so much more flexibility to try to disguise what they're doing. So if you can play under center, and like you said, you have the running backs, you know, and you have you have the different receivers in motion, you're not going to always know 
if it's going to be a run, if it's going to be a pass. And it just, it, I think it just kind of opens up the playbook in a way that Jimmy Garoppolo has not been able to completely unlock. And, and that being said, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, I, I don't know if it's a testament to him or to Shanahan's offense, but I mean, I mean, he's got a fantastic record as a starter. He just has a horrible injury record as well. I mean, he 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 can't right. stay healthy. So you know, you you mentioned, you know, this kid is gonna, you know, you know, Trey Lance coming in and Jimmy Garoppolo being the I guess kind of mentor. And so this week, you know, they said that after the draft, that I think Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't know if it's true or not, but was was the first person to reach out to Trey Lance and and welcome him in. And if that's true, I think that's I think it's great because you know, an interesting thing is you know, it, it's obvious that Trey Lance is their quarterback of the future and how Jimmy Garoppolo plays and handles this situation is going to kind of determine where he's going to land and what his next contract is going to look like. But, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo was in Trey Lance's situation. You know, he got drafted by New England. He came from a smaller school. He played for Eastern Illinois. So, and right. he's coming in now. He came in, gets drafted behind a veteran, a successful veteran quarterback. And so he knows kind of how Trey Lance feels. Now the, the big difference is, is Jimmy Garoppolo is not Tom Brady, you know, but, right. the, but, but the, the situation is similar and it's going to be a very, very interesting dynamic to see how this works. You know, if, if they do work together and try to make it good for everybody, or if it winds up being like a, you know, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers kind of thing, which was kind of like a not so much fun situation for Aaron Rodgers. But I mean, it's it's the nature of the beast. So, you know, Kyle Shanahan said earlier this week, well, you know, we're going to be keeping Jimmy. I mean, Jimmy's our quarterback and, you know, uh, we want we want to keep both of them. Now, I know he's got to say that. Um, but then to bounce back to you, my question is. OK, let's say depending on how well the kid performs in training camp or, or, or even now, I mean, I don't know what San Francisco's um, plans are going to be. Do you see Trey Lance as a potential game one starter? Or do you think that there's a plan in place? a la like when the giants back in the day had Kurt Warner and Eli Manning, that no matter what happens, Jimmy's going to start the season, let this kid sit, let him absorb. And you know, we'll, we'll put him in there when the time is right. I mean, I, I think, what Kyle Shanahan's going to do is look at which quarterback's going to give him the best chance to win, you know, the first game of the season. If Trey Lance is ready, if he proves in training camp that he's going to be the starter, then I see no reason as to why he wouldn't start. But if there are some things or aspects of his game that the coach is just not comfortable with, I don't see him starting game one. But that's not to say that as the season goes on, Trey Lance eventually comes in there maybe around game four or five and finishes out the season. Um, I mean, if you look at the kid, he's what, 6'3", 220. And, you know, another aspect of the offense that we, we didn't mention is that they do a lot of bootlegs and quarterback uh, on throws on the run. And this kid can take some hits. So if he's ro rolling outside of the pocket and he doesn't see anything, he's going to take off. And that's one of the first things you notice in his college film is that, you know, if his first read isn't there, he kind of tends to kind of take off a little bit. And so I think he's got to learn that you have to kind of, you know, go through your progressions and see how your receivers go. And so I think that's going to be his biggest adjustment besides, of course, like all rookies is the speed of the game. And so to get back to what you had originally said, I think if Jimmy G is the best option to start the season, then I believe, you know, he's going to be the starter. But if you would ask me, do I see him finishing the season? No, I can see Trey Lance coming in at some point and being a starter this year. Yeah, I I I I I completely agree. Um, what'd you think about um, the fall and where Justin Fields? Real quick before we move on to some Jets and Giants stuff, what did you think about Justin Fields falling to eleven in Chicago and Mac Jones falling to fifteen in New England? Just to keep it on the quarterback uh, theme, right? Um, well, with the Mac Jones, I I didn't really think that he would have gone as high as a lot of people were saying. I just didn't really see his ability, like a lot of people, and I know he went to the Patriots, so there's a little bit of bias in my opinions, <laughs> you know, but he did play at Alabama that has, you know, all these, you know, really great athletes from linemen to wide receivers. And so I'm really interesting to see how he, 
transitions into the NFL, if he's really going to be a, a good quarterback. Now, he does have some elite traits, but let's see how that works when everybody in NFL has elite traits for the most part. Um, so, I mean, I was surprised that he did fall so far because everybody was just saying how, you know, he was going to go to the Niners or, or other teams may trade up and get him. So that was a surprise for, for myself. Uh, the fields, I wasn't surprised because there was a lot of talk that people just really weren't high on Justin Fields. And so when you look, if he didn't go to the Panthers at, at number eight, then there was this chance that he was going to fall. And so Chicago just decided they needed to go ahead and get their quarterback and just trade it up to get him as high as they did. So I, I kind of felt he went where he was going to go. Right. Well, you know, and, and, and I agree. I agree with everything. One other one other quarterback uh, situation that no one they, they talk about, but not too much, was um, you know Tampa Bay potentially uh, drafted Tom Brady's heir apparent in uh, yeah. Kyle, Kyle Trask from Florida, and uh, yep. Do you think Tom Brady's worried at all about Kyle Trask? No, he's not worried at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of people that, you know, viewed Trask as as a pretty good quarterback. Don't know what he can do in the NFL, but, you know, there were some people that were higher on him. But right now, if anything, he's just going to get the experience and learn underneath him. I mean, the Bucks basically just drafted and took a flyer on a quarterback for the future. So we'll see what happens with that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's I mean, if you're it's a great position to be in because you're right. Tom Brady's not worried. So, you know, this kid doesn't have to worry about, you know, being that Jordan love to the Aaron Rodgers situation. You know, he gets to come mm -hmm. in and, and know that no matter what, unless something terrible happened to Tom Brady, that the only time that he's going to be on the field is going to be when he's holding a clipboard or, or like, you know, relaying plays into the, into the huddle and stuff. So he can just sit there, right. absorb um, from, you know, one of the best to ever play the position. So it, it's that that's going to be uh, that's going to be fun to see what they do down there too. So I, I tell you, another team that did an intriguing pick for quarterback. Who? Uh, the Vikings. You remember who they picked up? Who did they pick up? Uh, Kellen Mond from Texas. A that's right. That's right. That's right. That's going to be. Yeah. And so. They had some people out there that really like his skill set, you know, almost to the point where they compared it to, you know, a more athletic Mac Jones and mm -hmm. strong arm kid. And so, you know, with Kirk Cousins, the quarterback there, you know, it's not a situation where they actually have to rush him in there. And so, you know, if he can take his time and, you know, improve his game with where it needs to be in the NFL, who knows? Maybe Minnesota did get their uh, quarterback of the future. Yeah, I mean that's that's that, I mean that's definitely true because I, I've never really been sold on Kirk Cousins. I mean he's a good he's a good quarterback. Is he that quarterback that is going to take you the, to the promised land? So yeah, I right. think it's I think I think that is a good thing. Whether it's the Vikings or or anybody, I think I think the quarterback position, the way that the the way that the league has changed. In regards to handling quarterbacks, between um, how expensive their salaries ultimately become on that second contract deal, you know, decisions are being made at the quarterback position that are not solely, you know, how well, how how good is this kid going to be? You know, I mean, mm -hmm. you, you you have to now when you're drafting a quarterback, you're already thinking about what can he be, what we need him to be by year three. Because if he's not, right. we got to move on. Whereas in the past, if you remember, it wasn't too long ago that if you drafted a quarterback high with your number one pick, and if he didn't hit, it set your franchise back a decade. It was like it was it was it was right. it was the, it was the end of the world. And now, whether it's just the nature of the game or what they've done with the CBA or other things, is. Even with the massive, even with the massive contracts that they're handing out to quarterbacks nowadays, even on second, on their second deals, it's not, it's not impossible to move a guy or to move on, you know. Right. So I, I think that now you have a, uh, you know, a, a perspective from teams that are looking at the quarterback position, saying, you know what, we're going to go for it if he doesn't hit. It will get another quarterback in a few years, you know, or in, or yep. or in a couple of years. 
You know, you know who had also an interesting draft that where they didn't really draft a lot of high profile, high profile players, but they actually, you know, I think did some solid picks hmm. and they also did it to support their quarterback. Carolina Panthers, you know, last year in their draft, they drafted all defensive players, kind of like with the Cowboys this year. Right. Right. And so their defense was pretty bad the year before last. And so when they went all defense last year in their draft, their defense actually improved. And so think about another year in that system. Their defense is only going to get better. And so what did the Carolina Panthers do? They trade for Sam Darnold. They have, you know, a very good running back McCaffrey. They have, you know, two good receivers. And so in this year's draft, they draft an offensive tackle, they drafted another wide receiver who actually played for uh, the offensive coordinator uh, when he was the coordinator at LSU and Terrence Marshall. Mm-hmm. Um, they drafted a tight end from Notre Dame, Trimble, who, mm-hmm. you know, I think is, is can be pretty good in this league. Um, and then they also drafted another running back that I think, you know, we should keep our eye out. But, you know, he's not really going to start with McCaffrey is Chuba Hubbard. And so you have the Panthers who did the fifth year option on Sam Darnold for 18 million. And in this draft, they draft linemen, tight ends, wide receivers and running backs. So you're looking at a team who believes in their quarterback, but is not only believe in him, but they're going to support him with the cast to make him successful. So, you know, it'll be interesting seeing how Carolina works out in the next couple of years. Yeah, that's it, it, it's a good point because right now the you know the the NFC South belongs to to Tampa Bay, but that might only be for another year or two, and for so for Carolina to do this and put them in the themselves in a position where they can be competitive and uh, and ha- and have a chance to to make some noise in the division because I'm sure Matt Rule, the head coach down there, you know he's gonna be like, well, you know what, you know Adam Gase, you completely blew it. <laughs> with Sam Darnold, but I see enough that I can do something with him. And exactly to the point that you made is we are going to give him some support. He's got weapons. We're going to keep him clean. Uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be excited. I'm going to be int- very, very interested to see how Carolina plays going forward. I, I think that, um, I think they have something good going on down there. And, uh, you know, I, I did. I was a fan of Sam Darnold. I think that he was just in a bad, bad situation. So I think that it was, it was good. I'm sure, and I'm sure it's got to make Sam Darnold feel good to see that sure. the, the team went out there and said, "Okay, hey, listen, you are our quarterback, and we are going to get you some stuff to make you for you to know that we believe in you." Yeah, I think every Jet fan in the back of their mind, every week as the season goes on, we're going to be looking at the box score of the Panthers games to see how he's doing. Oh yeah, uh, but it's interesting. We play we play the Panthers this year in in Carolina, so that'll be interesting. That will be a lot of fun. And I and, and being a Giants fan, I will have to root for the Jets on that one. So yeah, but that one should be a lot of fun. So speaking of the Giants and the Jets, um, you know, we both universally. You know, which is a bit surprising considering our our history, um, seem to have had some pretty good drafts, uh, you know, this this year, and uh, and that maybe the worm has turned, and both franchises in New York, which is a rarity, might be moving in the right direction. So I know, I know, I was pretty happy as far as the Giants picks, pretty much throughout. Um, but I really, really liked what they did in that first round, uh, picking up Kadarius Tony from Florida and acquiring picks on top of that. Um, what did mm-hmm. you think? Uh, what did you think about? Uh, is there something that stood out for you? What the Jets did this draft? I mean, the biggest thing for me that stood that stood out was the fact that. Um, one, they had a plan to support their quarterback of the future. I think what they did was they learned that you can't just pick the quarterback and hope that he's going to be the savior of your franchise if you don't do anything to support him. And that support is not only from from players, but a good coaching staff that knows how to utilize the quarterback to the best of their abilities. And so, you know, I think Joe Douglas has really hit it out the park from – one, putting a plan together, getting the right head coach, getting the their offensive and defensive coordinators, and then in free agency, draft getting the guys that they felt would fit their system the best. And then they extended that into this year's draft. And so for me, 
You know, Wilson has a lot of traits that you like. There's some question marks. Yes. Did he play with the competition? No. You know, how is he going to, you know, hold up against pressure because he's got so much time in the in the pocket that they said he could eat a sandwich and still make throws. So that's going right. to, you know, be a problem, you know, when he comes and feels all the pressure uh, and as an NFL quarterback. Well, one of the things that really intrigues me about Wilson is that um, he has ADHD. And so ever since he was a little kid starting football, He's hyper-focused in stats and analytics and watching film. I mean, this kid devours film. And that was one of the things his coaches said was that he didn't want to go into a quarterback meeting with Wilson and not be up to point and have Wilson have more information about the opponents and offer more suggestions because he's just not up to par with his analytics of the film. So that really intrigues me. And hopefully that, you know, turns out to his advantage in the NFL. So I like the Wilson pick. I like the system he's going to be in. I think they're going to really support him. When you look at the picks right after that, Elijah Veer Tucker, uh, if he's going to be our guard and people comparing him to Quentin Nelson and hey, you can't say anything but great news about Quentin Nelson. If that left side of the line with Makai Becton and Vera Tucker pan out and some of the other guys that we have from last year, I think this wide zone blocking scheme fits to their ability. So our offensive line is going to be a lot better to support um, Wilson. I mean, if you look at Elijah Moore, I mean, that kid is a stud. I didn't really see too much of him in the season last year in college football. But, I mean, in a slot with his speed, a 4-3-7 speed, he's built sturdy. It's just another weapon that they're going to use uh, to help. Wilson and he's going to be like the the Debo type for the 49ers where he's going to do a lot of jet sweeps, a lot of misaction plays and so they'll get him open and then I like Michael Carter. I mean, did you see the North Carolina running backs this year? Both of them got drafted, Javante yeah. Williams and Michael Carter. Mhm. I didn't really know too much about them. I just knew that they were two studs. But Michael Carter has the best vision out of all the running backs in the draft this year and with the quick one cut system that they want the running backs to do, I think he can thrive. And so, you know, there's a lot of potential for this team to be good in a couple of years. And so I, I think they're off to the right, right step right now. Yeah. The, 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 the jets are definitely pointed in the right direction. And you know what? I did not know. So you said, so, so Zach Wilson is an ADHD kid. Yes. That's that. I think that's, that is, that is fascinating. And I, I, I did not know that it's so perfect because this is sports on the brain. And we always, are interested in mental health, but I think that you know you mentioned, and I'll, I'll I'll talk about the Giants in a second, but I just wanted to touch on this real quick. Is with Zach Wilson being someone that has ADHD, you know, you mentioned his ability to hyper focus, and I think that's that that's something that is I hope that more and more people learn about because you know one of the stigmas that comes with um, people with ADHD is their lack of focus. I mean I mean I'm I'm kind of a perfect perfect example. You know, you're kind of all over the place or you're just always being distracted by something shiny. But you know, ADHD really in a lot of ways is a like it's like a superpower. Especially and I I, mm -hmm. I always thought this about you know the elite athletes, especially like quarterbacks and pitchers. For someone to have ADHD and then have that that wired in innate ability to hyper focus on arguably you know the, the the most difficult and important position in all of sports and to be able to take that ability to help you make the decisions that you make i mean just just knowing that i'm definitely going to be rooting for him to do well because i think that's uh i think that's something that you know i think more and more people are learning about but to be able to come out there, be the number two pick of the New York Jets, the, the new face of the franchise, um, dag nabbit, now you're making me root for a Jet. <laughs> you know, I'll that, tell you a funny story <laughs> I, I heard about uh, the Zach Wilson when they were interviewing him with all these Zoom meetings. So because he's so hyper focused with his film and he's really into the details and, you know, he watches a tremendous amount of film from what I've heard was in one of the Zoom meetings that they had, you know, uh, our offensive coordinator, LaFleur, had a still of one of their games and it was, you know, 
I don't know what quarter it was and how many minutes it was, but they wanted to talk to him about it. And when Zach Wilson saw the still before they played it, he immediately gave all the details of what the defense was doing prior to the snap to exactly what happened when they snapped the ball, the reads that he made, and then he discussed his throw even before they press play. And I think that was one of the things that just really blew him out the water was the fact that this kid has such attention to detail to the film. It was like unbelievable for him. Well, being the lifelong diehard living in pain, your entire life jet fan that you are, that must've been music to your ears. Yes. Yes. And the fact that his <laughs> accuracy with deep balls is is really great. You know, that That's was awesome. one of the things I will say. Uh, I will say that Sam struggled with was his accuracy down the ball, down the field. And so, you know, with this, uh, I am excited, you know, but right now you never know. You, you never know, but it's okay. I, I understand how you feel. You can let yourself be just a little bit excited. <laughs> you know, a little bit excited. But um, yeah, I mean, as far as the Giants draft goes, I mean, I was really, really happy um, with the draft across the board. You know, I, I mentioned, you know, Tony at number one. You know, we, we got our edge rusher at uh, Ojolari at, uh, in, the, in the second round uh, coming out of Georgia. I've seen him play a lot, and he's just a good, solid player. If, if, if his knee, which kind of has is like pre-arthritic, if his knee doesn't start barking and give him, give him a problem, he is an absolute steal at 50. I mean, I think that uh, you could have, you know, we, we, we traded down. We got, we got another, another third round pick in 2022 for him. I mean, he is an absolute first round prospect, maybe even a top 20. So I was really happy with him. You know, we got we got the corner another cornerback that we needed because in today's league you can never have too many quarterbacks. The kid uh, Aaron Robinson out of Central Florida, uh, same thing. Okay. He could, he could line up in the slot. He could play pretty physical. Um, he's he's kind of more of that cornerback that is a little bit more physical. So you can bring him up in the box, and I think that with with the tight ends in the league today. You know, like Kyle Pitts, who I mean, we, we could dedicate an entire show to him. You know, you've you've got to have a multitude of 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 players, whether it's a linebacker, or a corner, or a safety that can cover a dangerous player like that. Uh, and uh, so, I'm happy that we added him. Um, we got we got a, we got another edge rusher and and Ellerson Smith from Northern Iowa, uh, Northern Iowa, in the fourth round, and we picked up a running back. So in, in Gary Brightwell from Arizona. So I thought I thought we all did good. They're all solid players, and like you said, you never know. So I know that everyone's got the grades for them, and you know, they, this this we the, the Giants did this and the Jets did that, but you know you, you're never really going to know what they turn out to be. But it seems like. You know, the Giants, not only did they do their homework, it seems like we got the players we wanted. And just the fact that we were able to acquire more picks, because we do have, we always have so many needs, it seems, that right. that, that on top of everything was, was like was like a cherry on top. And so I wanted to talk about Kadarius Tony. you know, the, the first rounder really quick out of Florida. I mean, he's, uh, he's, he's not a huge guy. He's six foot. He's one ninety three. Um, he ran a four three seven, so he's fast. So he he's he's another receiver that can help take the top off of a defense. So he can stretch the field. But I think one of the things that I really really like about him, I mean, obviously he comes out of Florida. He played with Kyle right. Pitt. He played with Kyle Pitts, and then of course, so that made Trask's uh, job at quarterback much much easier. So you could see why he did so well. But so so he's coming out of an offense that was essentially a replication of a pro style offense. One of the things that really really makes him such a tremendous pick is his versatility. And you talk about versatility yeah. in the league today. You know, I, I've heard people say, and I even thought it too. I said, you know, you, we've got Shepard at the slot already, but Shepard's got 
already concussion history. So you don't know how long he's going to be able to play, and you can never count on him for 16 games. You could put this kid in the slot. He's not necessarily ever going to be. He could be, but I don't I don't envision him being your number one or even right. necessarily that traditional number two. But what you do have with Kadarius Toney is the versatility. You could put him in the slot. You can put him in the backfield. And he's also can return kicks. He can return punts. So you can use him in a variety of ways to get the ball in his hand. And I think that's what Daniel Jones absolutely needs is another playmaker, another playmaker, another 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 player that you just need to kind of get the ball in his hands and then let him do his thing. Because one of the one of the skills that he does have, and you know, when you say four through seven, he's fast. Well, he is really fast. He's not the fastest. But, right. but but he's really, really fast. He's not super, super huge. So he's not one of these really physical players like a Galladay that's going to go up there and get the ball. But one of the things that I always hear, I continuously heard about him, whether it was during this year or during, you know, the, the pre-draft stuff was his ability to separate, you know, and he his strength is being able to separate from the defender. And if you can give if Daniel Jones He's got what he needs this year. He's got he's he's got the weapons and he's they're 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 building up a situation for him to be successful. If he can deliver the ball accurately, which I've seen him do very well, and if he could hold on to the ball, but if he could deliver the ball, a player like Kadarius Tony, who's going to give you a target, you know, is just gonna make your job that much easier because I, you know, Urban Meyer wanted him. You know, down in Jacksonville, right. Urban Meyer talked about how badly he wanted this kid, and that it quote unquote it broke his heart that the Giants came in and 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 got him at tw- at twenty. And obviously, Urban Meyer is a Florida guy, but but th- which means that he has intel from Florida, so he knows how good sure. this kid is going to be. So, um, I you know I think that uh, well, listen, um, if your comp in this league is Percy Harvin, that tells you something right there. And so if he can have a career anywhere near Percy Harvin, I mean, that's just awesome for you guys as a team. And when you add him to your offense, you know, with all the weapons that you have at receivers and tight ends, you know, here, here's what makes a great GM. Yeah, you have a slot receiver now, but you want to be able to make sure that you build depth and add competition to your team. And so when you add a, a you know, this Kadarius Tony, he's going to add the competition. And you know what? The best man wins. And if he wins, so be it. And so what Jason Garrett has to do is look at how he can best utilize him as a weapon within your offense to go along with Saquon Barkley and Ingram and, you know, all your wide receivers. And so. The offense needs to be really set on your running game. And so mm-hmm. if your offensive lineman you've drafted the last couple of years can improve and your run game uh, is, is a lot better this year than last year, and then all your weapons, man, Garrett just has to be able to utilize them properly. And so, yes, you know, this kid is a weapon for you guys. And like you said, his versatility will be able to open up the offense, not only for, you know, the other players, but get him involved. And so once he gets in the open field, um, hey, that's all she wrote for you guys, man. You, sh- you guys are going to be pretty good. Yeah, as long as Daniel Jones can not drop the ball every time someone hits him and stuff like that, we'll, we should be okay. But yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, it, it really does open up the offense. And you mentioned a magic name, Jason Garrett, because I've always been a Jason Garrett fan, even when he was with Dallas. But he, last year's offense didn't, well, last year's offense was terrible. That being said, obviously, you lose Saquon at the beginning of the year, the whole thing goes out the window. And yeah. Daniel, Daniel, Daniel Jones loses his biggest safety blanket. And, uh, and then, of, of course, Evan Engram has the dropsies. So if Daniel Jones can hold on to the ball, if Evan Engram can hold on to the ball and Saquon Barkley returns like Saquon Barkley, and you'd like to think that he, he will, yeah, I think I, th- I think the Giants uh, did a did a did a tremendous job in the draft. I think they they filled a lot of their needs. Like you said, you don't know what you're going to get until these kids get on the field. Um, but it's uh, it's it, it was people have been ki- killing Gettleman for a long time, and I've I've always been a supporter. But I think you know I think 
by default being the kind of fan that you just kind of support your team and you you know you don't i'm not going to sit there and boo them i've questioned some of his picks people still kill him about taking saquon with the number two and you can or you can't but i thought that he did an outstanding job and i think the jets and the giants both um have front offices right now you have guys that are doing a good job I like, you know, the one thing I could say about the Giants from a Giants fan perspective is I see the influence of Joe Judge on the uh, on, on, on the on the culture there. I mean, he he he, yeah. ins- he he brought in a the Belichick way of trading back and getting picks. Dude, I mean, really? I mean, for, for exactly. I mean, for I mean, Gettleman never did it in his in his entire career. And now he's doing it. And. It listen, looks like it's listen, going to pay this, off. This is what I love about the Giants draft. It's not necessarily the players so much um, as though they, they do have the, I, I like that first two picks. Don't know too much about the remainder. But look, 2022, New York Giants have two first round picks, two third round picks, two fourth round picks. And overall, you have what, 10 picks for next year? And so listen, if Daniel Jones does not work out this year for whatever reason. Next year's quarterback class is not good, apparently, at this point. But you never know how it's going to end up when we mm-hmm. get ready for the draft. But what happens if there's a quarterback in Houston that doesn't play next year, Deshaun Watson, that needs to get traded? Don't you guys have some assets you can trade to get him? Absolutely. absolutely. You read my mind, brother. That's exactly what I was thinking, too, is that I want Daniel Jones to be successful. I want Daniel Jones to just to, to light it up so that we could use those draft picks on other weapons. But you hit it on the head. I mean, you really did, is that if Daniel Jones doesn't, because he's coming into that territory now, that he's got to show this year that he's going to be your quarterback of the future. And if he's not, yes, the Giants have created a little bit of a war chest of capital. And it, it and it's funny. In, in today's day and age of sports, and especially football, it's not just players. It's, it's capital and it's contracts. You know, and, and and if you manage those well and you keep yourself flexible um, and able to kind of make decisions on the fly, if Daniel Jones is not your quarterback of the future, yeah, you could put yourself in position to get yourself another quarterback because there is going to be now, as we've seen, because it's already been set. The precedent has been set that if you're a quarterback and you don't like where you are or the team doesn't like having you a divorce is possible, you know, and you can you can you can find ways to move things around. And other teams are saying the same thing. Well, you know what? We're going to move on for him. Give us some capital. Give us some capital back. Even if we don't get necessarily the players that we want, depending on where we are, as far as our development as a team, we want to have some flexibility, too. And I think I think all smart, smart teams. And you, you said that the Belichick way, he's been doing that for two decades now in New England. And I think that the rest of the league has finally kind of caught up a little bit to that aspect, you know, combined with, you know, the way that the, the way that the league goes nowadays with, with quarterbacks is uh, after three right. years, you know, you're either playing or we've got to find somebody else. And, and another note on that note is that if you were to trade Daniel Jones or if you had to go back into the draft like you guys right now. Go back into the draft, get yourself a young quarterback. Well, you know what? Hopefully, you've done your due diligence to now build a team and a culture so that if you do bring a young quarterback in there, he's in a he's going to be in a, a situation where he's going to have a chance to succeed. Well, listen. Here's the other thing too. Even if Daniel Jones works out and he turns out to be the quarterback that you drafted that you thought he would be. You have the assets then to actually trade up in the draft to get a player that you really desire. And I'll give you an example of that. You know, yes, the Jets have been the laughing stock of the league for some time, but Joe Douglas is a very competent GM. And over the last two years, I've seen how he does things. And so when you trade away players to accumulate draft picks and you see what he did this year where we're at number 23, and he trades two third rounders to go up to 14 to get Elijah Vera Tucker. And he understands that he needs to support this quarterback. And you have potentially a pro, go, pro bowl guard sitting there. Yes, maybe he could fall down and you didn't have to surrender those 
those draft picks, but the fact that he had those draft capital capital mm-hmm. to move up is an example that you guys, if you see something in next year's draft or if you want to trade for a player, you have access. So the great thing about it is you have options, and, and that's yeah. what you want in this league is to make your team better, right? Absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, I mean, San Francisco ha- has proven it. You know, you, if when you go out there and you get yourself a smart GM – and you get yourself a smart a smart coach. I mean, it's it's a, it's a formula for success, you know. And and if you have ownership, uh, and you know the Giants have always have been good supportive owners, but we've just had some some bad decisions ever since Tom Coughlin was kind of ushered out of the organization. You know, they've made bad choices as far as GM and head coaches, and it seems like maybe you know that Joe Judge has come in. As a rookie coach with enough enough influence to kind of come in here and change the culture, and whether it's said or discussed or not, it has to influence Dave Gettleman because Dave Gettleman is not going to be GM for the next ten years. You know, I'm I'm pretty sure that they probably are trying to maybe groom his successor, and I can guarantee you, you know, if if things continue the way they have for the Giants and Joe Judge, they're looking at Joe Judge being another ten year coach or so. With with the Giants and then whoever that GM is going to be, I think is going to be someone that uh that can work with uh that's going to be able to work with Joe Judge because I think if anything a lot of people were were worried about with the Giants was how is Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman going to work together? But I think they're both kind of old school guys, even though Joe Judge is really young, and they're all about what football really is. Let, let and let's uh you know this is I'll, I'll kind of make this my final my final note about the game is, you know, at the end of the day, you know, and I'll talk about the giants and then it'll just be football in general. You know what the giants finally look like they're coming back to is what has always worked in football, regardless of the day and the age and how, how the offenses have changed is you have got to be disciplined. You have got to be accountable. You've got to be physical You've got to be as uh, as uh, as one of our favorites, ex coach, ex Jed coach said, the best ability is availability. So you got to be healthy. You've got to be fit, and then you get the players. So when you install that kind of culture in a team, you're you're building up a recipe for success. And I think that you know what we see in this draft. Going back to what you said, is you're never going to know what's going to happen with these kids. You never know who's going to be a star. Trevor Lawrence might be the next Dan Marino. Trevor Lawrence might be the next. I don't think he's going to be a bust, but he could be. They all could be. You never know. But the same things ring true. Do you have a good character? You have a good character, guys, on your team. Do you play a physical brand of football? Can you stay healthy? You know, and I think the teams that do that are going to be successful. And you just look around the league and you could see it, whether it's San Francisco, whether it's Buffalo, whether it's Tampa Bay, whether it's Kansas City. You know, all these teams have those all those similar traits. And I don't think that's ever going to change. Offenses might, defenses might, but you still got to run the ball. You still got to hold on to the ball and you still have to score more points than the other guy. You know, so. We'll see what happens, but I, I I definitely enjoyed the draft, and uh, I look forward to this uh, the rest of this offseason going into training camp. Yeah, it'll be interesting. You have the rookie camps so that's getting ready to open up, and so everybody's excited about all their new draft picks, and you know we'll get a chance to see you know how they pan out in their rookie OTAs, and then next thing you know, OTAs begin, and then before you know it, July first, and training camp opens up. I cannot wait. Gosh darn it, I love me some National Football League again. Uh, well, this was good. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I hope everyone out there enjoyed it. Um, unfortunately, Tunde has made me a, a Zach Wilson fan. I root for all these kids and adults out there that have ADHD and anything else that's going on bouncing around in their head because I know how that feels. And uh, so I'm really, really, really rooting for this kid. I am rooting for the Jets when the Jets and the Giants are doing well. I think it's good for not just New York City, but it's good for the league. And uh, I root for all these kids. I hope they all do well. I hope everyone stays healthy. And uh, and hopefully, you know, uh, the Giants do something in Dallas, Philadelphia, and Washington stink. But that's just me. 
<laughs> I understand, brother, man. I hope the Patriots, the Bills, and the Dolphins all suck. <laughs> All right, man. Well, listen, uh, I will speak at you later, everybody. If you want to ask Tunde any questions, you know, hit us up here on uh, Sports on the Brain. You can reach him here through Sports on the Brain on Twitter, on the Facebook page, and uh, I'll pass on the information to him if you have any Jets talk and uh, if you want to talk any Giants or anything else. This is going to be the place for you and the National Football League for you to get it differently than everywhere else. So thanks again, Tunde, for uh, for the good conversation and i'll uh i'll speak at you later man yep it was my pleasure brother later right on peace peace like me you might be wired differently your wife or your husband might be wired differently maybe your kids are wired differently but i can guarantee you you know someone that you love that's wired differently and you know what That's cool, because different is good. Is there anything like the NFL? Dag nabbit. The answer is no. So thank you. Another episode in the books. So book them, Dano. NFL, we're going to talk about NFL. Gosh darn it. It's going to be coming out of our ears. So if football is your thing, then sports in the brain is the place to be. We're going to talk about other things, but this is your NFL house. So thank you for being here. Let's talk about it. We're going to get together again next Thursday. And who knows? I might drop a couple bonus episodes again. I can't help myself. My crazy ADHD brain. Just sometimes things just kind of right on out. So, but anyway, in between now and then, hit me up on Twitter. Check out Facebook. Go to podchaser.com, leave me a rating, a review. But anyway, thank you. Thank you for being here, everybody. I really do appreciate it. And uh, just remember, no matter what happens, this is your place. This is your spot. And you are never, ever alone. Thank you for being here. Sports in the brain. Have a great weekend. I'll see you next week.